Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and I'm joined as always by Tara. Greetings citizens. This is our science fiction movie podcast. We get together every week. We've watched the movie and we talk about it. And on this week's episode, we are looking at the month's vote winner. Because every month on patreon.com slash TV, our $5 and up patrons get to vote between four movies. And in what is by far the biggest landslide that we have ever had in one of these votes, all but one vote was for this movie. Which what, made, the, what was the category? I think I think it was aliens. I think it was aliens mm. in the movies. Uh, but regardless, the winner was in fact John Carpenter's They Live, uh, which you know is an exciting thing for me because I saw this movie once as a teenager, uh, which I don't know, but 15, 16 years ago, we could give or take, whenever that lands. And I've not seen it since. This was the first time for me. Even, though, even so, I, I bought the DVD as a teenager. I watched the DVD. Uh, I bought it on Blu-ray at some point. Never watched the Blu-ray. It just kind of sat there, like a lot of Blu-rays did. Because I'll be honest, I had a problem. Um, and but I didn't watch the Blu-ray this time. I I because I got it in 4K on iTunes and watched it. Because we've we've skipped the whole format since I watched this movie um so yes we'll so you haven't watched any of like the commentary or any of the behind the scenes stuff or any of the bonus features oh no i'm pretty sure i listened to the commentary way back on dvd like just after i watched it for the first time uh because it's uh carpenter and paper because ready ready paper of course is in this movie he's one of the two leads along along with keith david uh and also sexy business lady from uh Leviathan. Leviathan. What? What was she? It was bugging me because she came up recently. Because you told me, oh, it's her from Leviathan. I was like, what did she come up in recently? Mm, I don't know. I feel like I would know those eyes anywhere. <laughs> it was something recently. I was really bugging me. I mean, I say, I mean, I mean, like, relative. You know, three or four in the last three months, something like that. I don't know. Maybe she was in like a Babylon Five. So, episode yeah, or it must have been something like that. Um, but she, I was like, oh, she seems familiar. And then, sure enough, I was like, oh yeah, it's Leviathan lady. Yeah. The one who uh, Robocop uh, knocks out. <laughs> hey, don't spoil it. What a moment. That, that was actually one of our bonus episodes, which you can get by supporting us on patreon.com slash TV for just one dollar. Speaking Happy of Robocop. At the end of the movie. <laughs> speaking of Robocop, though. Speaking of. No, actually, I don't know what's the connection. <laughs> I just said Robocop knocked her out and I said speaking of Robocop and then I plug Patreon you can get the bonus movies for a dollar speaking of Robocop I'd buy that for a dollar it just took like five minutes of <laughs> explanation to get it out of her <laughs> but this isn't a thing that we set up before I know but you've said I'd buy that for a dollar in your Patreon plugs a few times That's that's you you've done that Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I just, you know, I don't yes and very well. I'm referencing your own patter here. I'm not just referencing <laughs> things that you'll know. I'm referencing your own thing. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I would like to claim Robocop as my own thing, it is not. It's Paul uh, oh, You know what I mean? <laughs> Using it in the Patreon. Like, that's your... Th- never, never mind. Never mind. Okay. So we're going to talk about They Live. Science fiction film uh, about aliens... Starring Roddy Roddy Piper and Keith David, directed by John Carpenter. This is 1988. This came out, so this is, I will say, right at the tail end of Good Carpenter, <laughs> before 
things maybe take take a bit of a turn. Oh, I don't like when you say go off as a cliff. Although there's an argument to be made. <laughs> but, I'm know, not that much of a like carpenter enthusiast to know. Sure, uh, but th- this is very much near the end of his uh, his good era. Now I know that a lot of people are yelling because in the early nineties he made a film called In the Mouth of Madness. Didn't do that much for me. Oh, the Sam Neill one. <laughs> the Sam Neill one. But no one's going to argue with me on, like, the rest of his 90s. No, I mean, they're not all terrible. Like, I don't remember vampires being, like, terrible, but I don't remember it being that great either. Um, And plus, you know, James Woods is just James Woods. <laughs> I mean, he's a good actor. He's a bit, um, his politics I don't really buy, but... Sure, yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so we'll start spoiler-free like we always do. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers. The basic premise is that Rowdy Roddy Piper um, comes, and I'm saying Rowdy, if you like, and the off chance, like, you're younger than us and you have no idea why I'm saying Rowdy Roddy Piper instead of just Roddy Piper like he's credited, that was what he was called in wrestling. He was a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, I'm not um, a wrestling person, but I, I'm very much aware of him because of I remember when he died and it was just like mm. all over the place and everybody was talking about him from that and, and this movie. Is he much of an actor outside of this film? Yeah, he, he had a little phase where he tried to, he's, he's in a movie that we'll probably do for a bonus episode one day called Hell Comes to Frogtown. So look forward oh, yeah, to that. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm familiar with that one. Uh, he had, he had like a, a little phase where he was in a bunch of movies. This was probably, this was probably his most like known and like successful. And, I mean, I don't know if it was successful financially, but known to the cult audience of today at least mm-hmm. um he of course is actually canadian but he portrayed a scottish <laughs> yeah, person for some reason in wrestling i can tell because of all the ways he says sorry <laughs> <laughs> no it's very obvious whenever he's cutting a promo in wrestling oh, he, one of my people <laughs> he sounds super canadian which is uh it's like you're not even trying an accent like you're not even going to try and pretend you're scottish Right, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Come on. Uh, but hence the... Because I'm not sure if Piper's his real name. It might be because his daughter's got the last name Piper. So I'm wondering if it's just because he has the name Piper that they went, you're going to be a Scottish character. Piper. <laughs> like, if that was the, the connection. But he's in this with Keith David, who of course had already worked with Carpenter on The Thing. Maybe some other stuff, but definitely The Thing. And this is... Great voice. A... A satirical science fiction thriller where they discover the aliens have already taken over and invaded. There's a lot of satire in here and it's got kind of a slow burn, kind of cool vibe where it kind of unravels its plot as it's kind of very quiet, cool, collected hero and paper just kind of discovers things. And I don't want to say too much because I feel like if you've gone to it too much, you're kind of spoiling what what it is but you know uh it's one of those things in pop culture where some of it you just might know anyway there's certainly in fact honestly the first thing that i kind of want to say about this before i even ask if you know you liked it and say if i liked it is that i will say the most famous line of dialogue from this movie which you've all heard at some point or seen written down or someone's quoted to you is i came here a true bubble gum and kick some ass and i'm all out of bubble gum right i may be slightly misquoting it but that's the, the gist of it Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, th- because I'd only seen it once as a teenager, and it's been so long, but I've seen that written down so many times, and I've seen people quote that left and right, 
His actual delivery of that line is pretty weak. <laughs> like, it's a little bit off. His, his, it, the way he says it feels just weird. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. not as badass as I was... Yeah, you know, honestly, like, I I think he's a decent actor in the film for most of it, except mm. for that one part. Like, I know, the most famous <laughs> he just line. Becomes, like, he just becomes a wrestler in that. <laughs> I feel that... I, I think you're saying that because you don't watch wrestling. I think good wrestlers who are good at promos... And the funny yeah, thing is, it's true. I'm kind of I, I have no idea. I don't watch wrestling. But the funny thing is, is like he was good. He wasn't actually that great in the ring. Like he he didn't really do very many moves. He he was a punch and kick guy, which for wrestling is boring, right? That's. I feel like I've watched a wrestling match with him in the <laughs> middle of this movie. So <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a wrestling match. That was that. <laughs> I mean, that's the other famous thing about this movie is him and Keith David have this ridiculous fight scene in this movie. It's like five minutes long. It's it's ridiculous. Which it's, sounds short, but there's no music and it's just them punching each other. <laughs> it's it's kind of like wrestling in a sense that it just is continuous and it kind of tells a story just through the fight, which is what wrestling kind of is. But it's also mm-hmm. not like wrestling. And if this was a wrestling match, it'd be really boring. But because in a movie, like they can use other... You know, like in a wrestling match, you have to just kind of fake punch and kick and just kind of pretend because it's it's theater and you have to be able to do it live in front of an audience but it's mm-hmm. a movie so they, they they've got makeup they've got like effects they've they, you know they, they they can like they can be more convincingly brutal so as the fight goes on they lot of kicked the shit out of each other in this well according to the trivia they actually did kick this shit each other like crotch <laughs> well, that... shots and face shots were off limits but the body shots were all real they were just like actually just punching each other well i mean it comes across i think because it feels pretty it feels brutal yeah, yeah it feels quite authentic which yeah you know it gives us we'll get to the context of that and spoilers but yes that is sure. like one of the famous things about that is it's the kick-ass bubblegum and kick-ass <laughs> and it's the, the the fight scene well i mean if i could if i could say something real quick is that sure unfortunately like i know i i've never seen this movie before well, this is the but first I know, time. I, yeah but i know it really well and i feel like the film has been hijacked in a way By for some very no for like oh. very unfortunate um groups of people out there who seem to think that there's some sort of secret uh cabal that's running the world um, and that kind of use, you know, people oh, I see who what you're are, saying. yeah, more, very like far right wing and very like uh, things I don't like repeating, you know, sure, sure, terrible sure. stuff. Which is funny because the, the actual message of the film is it's very, very left. It, it, it's, it's very much that, you know, it's, it's the richest, yeah. you know, I, I, I couldn't help but think of a phrase from Mr. Robot when I was watching towards the end of this movie. And Mr. Mm-hmm. Robot, he refers to the, the evil people who run the, the world as the 1% of the 1%. And I couldn't help but mm-hmm. think of that phrase, like, as I was seeing kind yeah. of things unfold towards the end. Yeah, um, it's really interesting. Like, even when I was uh, when I was over going over the IMDb page, I was looking at some of the reviews, and people are giving it 10 out of 10s, and then you look at the reviews, they're like, so relevant in a year of where the media is taking over, it's been taken over and telling you propaganda about COVID <laughs> and stuff, like... Wow, they really missed the point of this film. <laughs> I mean, it is relevant. Like, that part's not wrong. 
it is still relevant. It's actually yeah, that is that is true. It yeah. is shockingly relevant still today. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. Obviously, media has changed a little bit. We have internet now. We have you know all sorts of other like social media. There's a lot of other things going on, but like it's still mm -hmm. very relevant. It totally is. Um. So. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, oh yeah, I guess I'll ask the question then. Tara, and your first mm -hmm. time watch. What was your general feeling for They Live? I think uh, I think the movie has some you know some flaws in it, but for the most part, like I really loved it. Like it was great. It was a great watch. Um, like the there there are some parts in like the the third act that I get a little bit bored, and I find maybe the resolution to be a little unsatisfying. But like for the most part um like the first two thirds of the movie i think are really really strong and like really like cool i mean you called it kind of cool and i think it is a cool movie it's i like cool, the yeah. i like the the changes that happens like in the film when when you you know the 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 thing arrives that allows him <laughs> to see the world differently i actually really like watching this so close to the matrix also because i think it's very similar that, no i was thinking the same thing i was thinking yeah. there was some you know, waking up and seeing the code mm -hmm. kind of like parallels to the Matrix. Uh, of course, and this is a really simple everyday object versus, oh, you wake up in a pool and you're in the real world now. <laughs> <laughs> like all, you know, all, all, yeah. all the stuff that goes with that. But it's <laughs> right, very right. same themes as the Matrix in a lot of ways. Yeah, maybe we should have watched this before the Matrix, but I, I mean, I'm glad we're watching them like pretty close to each other. I think they are very much uh, similar themes and... You know, as someone who is a bit of an anti-capitalist, I really enjoyed this film, and I hate Ronald Reagan, and this is very much a, <laughs> an F you to Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't surprise me that Carpenter made a movie that was kind of speaking out against that kind of thing. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I liked the, you know, I remembered liking the movie as a teenager, but I, I remembered, because, you know, teenage years are... Uh, like they're an awful time for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that's good about being a teenager and being a, a an emerging fan of film, like I was, I mean, I was a fan of film as a kid, but the thing about becoming uh, a like an adolescent and then getting into like your teenage and then early adulthood is that that time is such a wild time of exciting discovery because there's so many classics that you won't have stumbled on. That when once I had like a little bit of money of my own to spend on DVDs, like I was tracking things down, I was seeing stuff that I'd somehow missed. You know, there was a lot of stuff that you'd think I would have seen as a kid that I didn't see till I went out of my way to buy the DVDs, like Indiana Jones. I'd never seen any of those as a kid. Like I, I bought the box set when I was like 16, 17, and that's how I watched those movies. Back when there was only three of them, of course, but it was you know, it was still a, a big thing. And I had seen a couple of Carpenter films early on and loved them, and I bought, I you know, I I bought a lot of Carpenter DVDs just because they were John Carpenter movies and tried a lot of them. And there's some that I love, there's some that I like, there's some that I'm just kind of out on. Um, you know, The Fog, for example, is one that's just kind of okay. And when I watched that again, maybe like two years ago now, something like that, with Tim for Screams, mm -hmm. I kind of felt the same. I was like, oh, I'm still just kind of out on this. Uh, like it's got some cool things about. There's definitely ideas in it I like, and there's visuals I like, but it's definitely one of his weaker films and. It's probably been like twenty yeah. years since I've seen it, but I, yeah, I remember enjoying it as a kid. Yeah, but, but I, don't, I don't remember any like social, so I don't know like uh, commentary in the film at all. <laughs> but I wouldn't have well, at that age anyway. Yeah, but no, it's not even like all of Carpenter's films necessarily has a strong vibe of that. I mean, I'm just, I'm just pointing mm -hmm. out that 
there's some that I, some of his films, even though I love generally, I'd say I love Carpenter. There's definitely not everything I love, and that was one that I kind of just felt the same when I saw it again. And Tim agreed, and he actually, I was surprised that Tim felt the exact same way I did. That it was kind of like, you know, it was fine, but it was like definitely like lower B tier Carpenter. And the reason why I'm saying all this, the reason why I'm bringing this up, is that I liked Lay Love when I saw it, but I remember thinking, oh, this is like B tier Carpenter. It's not, it's not like up to his other standards. Um. And I'm happy to say I like it more now than I did back then. Um, I, I, don't get me wrong. Like, it's still fallen underneath, like, Halloween and The Thing. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe a couple others that I really love. But I definitely think I like this movie more than I did when I was a teenager. I don't know if that's just because I'm smarter and wiser and older and just get, <laughs> get a lot of what it's saying more. But the funny thing is, is that I don't think that's why I liked it more this time. Even, even though that's all clearly there. And I think, I mean, it's it's not exactly subtle. So I, I got it at the time when I watched it. I'm, I'm probably yeah. a, a bit more opinionated on those subjects now. So maybe it has more an effect now. But the thing that I thought like, I was getting more this time was like, I, I was just loving like, like, we, you know, I said it was cool and you agreed it's a cool movie. And mm-hmm. right from the opening, just the way it treats Roddy Piper is it's just following him through the city and the way he'll just be quiet and watch things and pay attention to things, and then the way it'll just be... And there's a section where, you know, act two of this movie, right, there's a section kind of where things, shit kind of hits the fan about, you know, 25, 30 minutes into this 90-minute movie, and there's a section where it's him walking around uh, with new eyes, let's just say. That, mm-hmm. like, 15, 20-minute section is, Excellent. like phenomenal it's it's wonderful for a variety of reasons uh and i would agree that the final like 30 minutes is probably the weakest chunk of the movie but i still had fun with it there was still it still felt like it was just them like okay we 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 had this cool idea for this premise we had this cool idea for how to discover all of it Mm -hmm. and then we're at that point where okay we have to just sort of come up with a resolution now it's definitely the weakest part but i still think it was just a case of Let's just have fun and do some silly shit with this. Like, that's that's what it feels like. It feels like Carpenter yeah, definitely. and the cast are just like, oh, let's just have some fun and do some wacky shit and have this kind of satirical, like, mm-hmm. ending and, you know. Um, so, like, it, it, I think that's because I, I'm never going to love it as much as something that feels like, you know, the thing or Halloween, which they are, like, so, like, constructed and defined and they are perfectly paced and timed and resolved films. Whereas this to me is like, we had this fun idea, we're so good at what we do, it's going to be slick, it's going to feel like a fun ride, and then for <laughs> the ending, we're just like, ah, let's just try something and see if it works. And it kind of does, and it's, it's not as fulfilling as I, some other yeah, films. Yeah, I, but... I think it definitely works. I think it's just not as, it's not as good as the first, yeah. like, two-thirds of the film. Especially that middle chunk where, like, yeah, where he sees the world in new, <laughs> new eyes. That, that whole section is phenomenal. But, um... But it, yeah, basically, from the moment that um, there's a sort of like a ruckus that happens, all the way through to the big fight with Keith David, that that entire chunk of the movie is like excellent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just excellent that chunk. Um, so we'll get we'll get to it a bit in spoilers. So we'll talk about some you know like I mean obviously cinematography is usually great with Carpenter. Music has got that. It's kind of like. Car- it's a carpenter sounding score but it's got a more of like a sort of funkiness to it it's cooler <laughs> yeah it's cool it, it sounds like he took his prince of darkness which is i think what he did right before this, this was, and this was like right after but it's got more of an upbeat funkiness to it <laughs> and that's kind i haven't of, seen prince of darkness i feel like gave me i would recommend it i, I like is that a dracula movie sorry 
Is it a Dracula film? No, no, nothing to do with Dracula. Okay. Alice Cooper's in it, though. So if that's a. An he appeal. does like to have interesting casting, I suppose. I mean, he doesn't have any lines of dialogue, but he is there. <laughs> yeah, this, this movie really feels like he was very upset with Ronald Reagan, especially since this came out like at the end of his term. Mm. So it, it was very much a. Uh, it, it does seem like it's a, a passion project of, of John Carpenter. He wrote it also. He makes a lot of his movies, to be fair. That's yeah. not... Uh... Well, I mean, like, this seems like a, a very... <laughs> like, I'm really upset with the with the, with America and the world right that, that now. Said, and though, I have it, a lot to say about it, so I'm going to get this movie out. We should clarify, though, he did not come up with the idea for the story. It's based on a short story. No, it's based on something else. But the politics are very relevant to the time it came out. Oh, for, oh, for sure. But yeah, but I think, I think it's important to clarify that, that it's not his original like mm-hmm. idea so it's similar to the thing obviously there's a lot a lot of that is him but it's it is based on something yeah uh, so thing from another world which i think was also a remake and they're like isn't it the second remake of the thing oh no, that's right you, you know that the thing from another world and the thing are based on the same story right well i knew yeah i knew that there was some sort of like the thing was not I knew the thing wasn't original, and that the thing from another world was not original. Yeah, but the th- but the, I didn't know if they what they came from before. It was a short story, I think. But the 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 the, the thing is not based on thing from another world. The the movie, like like if I, the, the John Carpenter's the thing, I believe. I mean, I've never read it, but I believe it's much closer to what the original short story is. Whereas because the yeah, thing from there's an, a there's a new version of that story that came out, right, or like a new ending or something. They, no, they've, well, I don't know if it's a new ending, but they definitely found more of it. Like there's a more complete version of it now, so they might yeah. do a new movie because they have more of the, st- the story to adapt now. So I, I guess it's a good enough reason as any, but uh, I, I, that's not to say that John Carpenter doesn't love the original uh, thing from another world because he, he put it in Halloween. Like the kids are watching it in Halloween, so he clearly has some affection for it. But mm-hmm. the, the original thing from another world, which I'm sure we'll do at some point, uh, like just take yeah, it. I watched it. It's just like it's, a generic, okay. like monster guy and a, and a, it's an arctic base but it's like a, it's like a vegetable man who's like running around terrorizing people it's nothing like the the john carpenter movie at all yeah uh so um but yeah i, I just thought it was worth uh clarifying um but yeah no i i, I think everything about it just feels so slick everything about it feels so like like these two guys are badasses, and mm-hmm. we we know they're badasses. They know they're badasses. We're and we're going to just let them be badasses. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really good casting. I think it's um, the, having somebody there who's like who represents like a certain part of America. You know, the type that the blue collar, the mm-hmm. the worker who who has the big dreams of of you know what the what the capitalism promises you of if you work really hard and if you do everything right, then you'll be rewarded with success but and system, how, yeah, but the system's failing them. Yeah. Right. It's failing them, even though they still believe in it. Like it's, um, I, I think it's, I think it's smart casting and I think it's good to have, you know, someone there who also represents minority group in America as well. Yeah. Cause uh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think he's, David, oh, sorry, I think Roddy Piper. He's not an ugly man by any means. He's he's, he's perfectly fine. He's not he's not like, whatever, but he's also not like 
your superstar leading man either, right? And I think that's yeah. kind of important. Uh, obviously, you can tell us that there's a scene early on where he's like working at a work site and he's got his shirt off. He's like, okay, he's clearly he's a big guy. He's built, right? <laughs> he, he's clearly a man who works out. And given what he does professionally before he was an actor, that makes a lot of sense that he's right. pretty ripped. And but there's even a moment. I think Keith David looks over at him because he's sort of like sweating and he stops digging for a minute and he sort of wipes his brow and he looks over at Piper. He's like, shit, that dude's jacked. I better get back to work. <laughs> get my muscles going up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so. It's inspirational, not threatening. But. Yeah, yeah, he's like, ah, damn, I need, to, I need to get pumping here. <laughs> get, get, get. I really like seeing uh, Keith David in like a, a bigger role too, because I usually see him as more of a, you know, I mean, I guess he's kind of a side character here, but he's like second billing, and and uh, but I usually just see him as just a like a minor role in a thing where I'm like, oh, I like that guy. He's definitely he's the second. He's definitely the second lead. Like, I, I obviously the focus is more on paper because we spend time with him on his own for a bit. But there, there comes a point in the movie where he's he's around yeah. pretty yeah, much yeah. the same amount. So, I just you know he's he, he's got a great presence, great voice, and he's a great actor. And I just don't, you know, I always see him in just a minor role. So it was really nice to watch a film where he was, you know, so in it. <laughs> he's all, he's always very dependable. Like you say, he's got a good voice. Yeah. He. Yeah, I think the first thing I ever saw him in probably was Pitch Black, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, just because, you know, that was a contemporary film when I was young and then obviously I went back and saw like other things that he's been in. But, I mean, he's, he's, probably, he's, he's in a lot of things that I, I probably can't even remember because, like you say, he's in a lot of small roles. He's definitely done a lot of video game like voiceover yeah. things yeah. as well. He he's, voices the president in Rick and Morty. And all, these past I, few seasons. I, I want to say, it's funny enough, uh, having a wrestler in this, I want to say he voiced over a long documentary series about wrestling. Then it's, it's that thing where he maybe, uh, he probably was credited at the end and I just wasn't paying attention, but it was one of those things where I heard the voice and immediately went, is that Keith David? <laughs> that sounds a lot like Keith <laughs> yeah. David. Um, so, no, that's neat. Uh, yeah, no, nah, casting's good. Uh, action's fun. Uh, we can't really talk much about it, but I will say I really like the look of the aliens. I'll, I'll just leave it mm-hmm. at that. Uh, especially since for the large majority of the time you see them in black and white, and it looks especially good in black and I white. Agree. So, uh, and yeah, so that's that's good too. Right, I guess we can probably go to spoilers in, the, in a minute, but I'm just uh, I make sure we're covering all the all the bases. Um, yeah, I mean everything I I think I want to talk about. I'm like, oh, I I can wait till spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. We'll give you the spoiler warning then for they live. So let us get into it. Um. So Reggie's the paper's character. I don't even know the names. I guess I'll just use the actors' names because Nada. There's Nada. You're right. Nada and Frank are the <laughs> the lead mm-hmm. characters. But yeah, so Reggie's the paper's character, and he. Is just drifting through the city, and he's kind of impressed with the skyscrapers. He's come from some other state, some Midwest state, uh, and he can't get work, but he goes to a work site, and he's like, hey, seriously, can you give me something? And he gets some, he gets some work, he meets Keith David there. Keith David can see that he's got nowhere to stay, really, that night. Um, and I'm glossing over kind of a lot of the, the aesthetic here, because that's the important, because this probably takes like a good 10 minutes, because a lot of it's him walking around or trying to sleep that night mm-hmm. in an alleyway. And he's like watching someone's TV through a window, and we're hearing like snippets of the the news broadcasts and or the commercials that are being played, and 
It's all about extravagance and yeah. excess. And there's a lot of like walking past like like entertainment or electronic stores where there's just like a lot of TVs. Like there's like a wall mm-hmm. of TVs. Uh, and that comes up time and time again. We're surrounded by all this media. Yeah. It's kind of a trope thing that you see in a lot of uh, movies of this time where you just mm. get the the wall of TVs in the window that everyone can stare at and watch the news and hear it perfectly clear. <laughs> well, you, well, I mean, I think the real reason that went away is because now everyone can watch something on their phone. They don't have to yeah. be watching a TV anymore. <laughs> so Yeah, I don't really remember that being a thing when I was younger anyway. Just no. <laughs> but, stores but, with walls of TVs with current events playing all the time. Yeah, the equivalent now is that everyone's standing in Times Square going like this, like... <gasps> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Very, That's very like, good. There's there is a good scene also where he goes to like a some sort of like recruiting agency where he's trying to find work and you know he's telling his story about how things have just haven't worked out for him but he's a hard worker and the lady that is there is just rolling her eyes like not interested at all what he has to say like she's heard it so many times before or she just has zero empathy for him and is basically like well I can't get I can't help you you don't have to find work on your own out there yeah she's a a cow, basically, <laughs> for lack of a better. I mean, yeah, she's awful. <laughs> it's, it's very intentional because it's like the whole point yeah. is just she is looking down on him and doesn't care, right? It's like, ah, oh, you're you're the yeah. Scum she literally of has like the the biggest eye roll I think I've seen in a film. Yeah, which is I think it's unbelievable. <laughs> I think if he walks in the door, I think if nothing else, his his arm size makes you at least go, well, you're clearly committed to, to keep it in shape. <laughs> so that, that's at least a lot of you know effort that goes into that, right? Uh, Shows well, you've got you drive. See, you can lift things. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but all this happens, he ends up with Keith David. And I like their first interaction, actually, where Keith David tries to be nice and says, hey, there's this place that you can go and get like a, a meal and a hot shower. Um, I'm heading over there myself if, if you want to make take away. And he just sort of stares at like Piper's a bit of a dick. And Keith David's like, oh, fine then. And he just walks off. But then Piper follows him. So then halfway there, Keith David turns around and is like, look, dude, you're following me now. Like, what's, you know, what's going on? He's like, well, I don't, like, you know, join up with someone until I can see where they're going. And there's kind of this, like, mutual respect that's shared where they're both apprehensive equally. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, like, okay, all right, I guess we're friends. (laughs) I get that one interaction, I guess, makes us friends. So, yeah, they get to the camp, they're getting hot food. Uh, they meet the people who run this little camp for uh, the city's homeless. And, you know, it's just a big, you know, field or, like, dirt site. It's just nothing fancy. Um, uh, it's a little bit like what's still happening. It's just uh, a lot, camp. Tents, a lot yeah. of, yeah, a lot of air, just areas that have been walled. It's just wall-to-wall encampments. And- There's nothing that screams 80s to me like a barrel with a fire in it. There's something about a barrel with a fire in it. It just feels like 80s to me. Well, we get that here. That's 80s homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what have they got now? Like uh, like apps for their phones that heat them up? <laughs> I don't know. It's so dry here. There's a lot of... Unfortunately, there's a lot of actual fires that get started because of homeless mm. encampments, but you can't really blame people for being homeless <laughs> in los angeles I, I was i was just trying to crack a joke i wasn't was yeah. serious <laughs> um so 
yeah, and we keep you know we keep seeing these TV broadcasts, and eventually like they start getting interrupted by someone who sounds like a nut job, of course. But given the movie's premise, you expect that he's actually the the one who's saying, and he's actually right about everything. Right. Yeah. And it's like he's like we're interrupting this broadcast because they're everywhere. They they're they're controlling us and they're they're making us do whatever they want. And you have to wake up. And a, a lot of what he says still feels like. You know, it still feels relevant. Like he says things that are very broad about mm-hmm. being controlled by capitalism and and advertising and, and and things like that. And like they're already around us and they're controlling us. And they, you know, we are their herd and we are just mm-hmm. you know part of their livestock. You know that word's brought up a couple of times. Uh, you know, obviously the, the themes of the movie it's about the the rich elite and the people in control treating the population and particularly the lower classes. Um, and the idea that the middle class is starting to kind of like be blind to it and kind mm-hmm. of like be seduced by it and anyone who does lucky enough like ends up becoming part of the problem and the, like all these kind of ideas so that, that these ideas are introduced um and the big thing here is that Roddy Piper kind of notices that the singing at the church across the street which is what's been used as like a, a kitchen effectively like that's where the, the people who run this place are going back to like that's weird. The choir's still singing at like four a.m. That's a bit odd. They're very committed to their to the gospel. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> and he gets a bit nosy, and he's he, he sneaks in, and he finds like a bunch of sunglasses, and he's like, "This is weird." And he, he, you know, the, the blind uh, like preacher man who was who we saw outside briefly before, kind of like talking about people taking control, and they're everywhere. He's saying very similar things. In fact, when the guys on TV saying the. Uh, the the stuff he's the actually he's mouthing it he's actually saying the same thing along with it like yeah. it like like he's almost had a part in writing it or rehearsed it with them or you know something to that effect uh yeah because it's clearly a live broadcast but he's was there for part of i mean but he knows what exactly what what the guy's going to say next so clearly he's a part of it somehow yeah, and what's interesting, and I, I love this on, in hindsight later on when you understand like, the context of the story, but when he catches Roddy Piper sneaking around, and Roddy Piper's just wanting to know what's going on here, this is weird, this is not just a, like a yeah, church. he's just, you know, something's odd and he's just investigating. Yeah. Basically, this is him starting to like realise that he's in the Matrix, right? If we're comparing it to the Matrix, this, this is him mm-hmm. like starting to like follow the white rabbit. But he, um, this blind man finds him, and the blind man like like feels his face and obviously that is a normal thing you hear about blind people doing they want to like recognize people so then they can't see them so they, they feel their face and that's how they know who's who in some way and that's like a an understandable thing that we we get but in context the later it actually makes sense that what he's actually checking for <laughs> is what the face feels like is it does it feel a human because Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, he's blind. Maybe that's how people discovered this in the first place. Maybe it was blind people who could tell the difference, and that kind of yeah. started the the movement. Who knows? But uh, but you know, Rowdy Paper runs away, and he's he kind of like you know, I think it's before this or after this that he's he's watching them with like a hawk with his binoculars, and Keith David's like, "Oh man, you're stirring up trouble. Like you're going to get us into trouble, and you're you're just yeah. you're like we all stay in our own lanes." And that's the big thing is that. Right. The, the, the 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 subliminal messages the aliens the the media they all want us to hate each other they all want us not to trust each other and stay separate so that we'll never like join a we'll never unionize basically we'll never <laughs> we'll never form a, a union and take them on those, and challenge them those dreaded unions <laughs> that's that's basically you know that's that's the the idea right I, right and I, I, I like that the line from him also because he 
it's it's basically like i don't don't start any trouble and just live your life and things will work out for you still like he still has that thought in mind and i kind of love that obviously there's a friendship here but i love that obviously paper catches like little things and it gets him investigating it gets him watching and he checks out the church but i love that keith david effectively does the same thing with paper and that the scene where he notices papers like he's, he's sitting talking to like the uh there's like a, a homeless man with a beard who's, who's relevant because he pops up later but he's sitting there and he's just mouthing off mm-hmm. and keith david just looks over because he's sitting there like spouting conspiracy theories about stuff it just sounds like nonsense for the most part but he looks over and he's like he's just there's a scene it's just the shots of him watching paper because paper looks very intent on something mm-hmm. like like he's he knows what he's doing he's, he's got some sort of mission he's got his mindset and something and keith david that's what makes keith david go over and start talking to him but then the second he realizes he's going to ruffle some feathers he's like, oh no 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 we can't ruffle feathers we have to work within mm-hmm. the system we have to <laughs> play you know play our role and what i thought was a really poignant line here which i don't think keith david's race is necessarily brought up overtly too much but there is a line here where he says he walks on the white line and stays out of trouble um and papers stand out it does stand out and papers response is the white line's on the middle of the road that's the worst place to be walking um and i'd argue it's probably equally as worse as just walking on the well actually no it's, it's the worst place to be walking I was thinking of driving. Like, if you're driving on the wrong side, it's probably worse than driving in the middle. You get more of a chance of swerving out the way if you're already in the middle. But the, the, I was picking a party's metaphor. <laughs> but if he's if you're walking, it is probably the worst place. You're right, you're right in between both lanes, <laughs> unless right. you're really skinny. In which case, you might actually like have the narrow path. In which case, you're dodging all traffic. I'm picking apart papers comeback, but I, I got what you meant. It was a, it was a fun line. Um, it was a fun line. I know. I know. I'm making jokes and whatnot, but it was a fun line. It was uh, a fun line. It was. It was a fun line. Like you know, the way. <laughs> <laughs> what you come here for? My stupid commentary. All right. I know I have some analysis occasion- occasionally, but I have stupid commentary as well that people seem to enjoy from time to time. Well, I'm. I'm hope they're. I hope they're satisfied. <laughs> <sighs> Narrator, because Tara was not. All right. <laughs> so anyway, so this is what gets us into the the meat and potatoes of the of the movie, is that that night, you know, tofu. What was that tofu and potatoes? Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, the vegan equivalent. <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> you you can just read that as like meat and potatoes, meaning like we're meat, so it's real. Us mm-hmm. and potatoes, because we eat potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can read that. Not not some juicy, I don't know, food with potatoes. You got I just wanted to make sure that uh, that I, I did my part. <laughs> yes. Or uh, Kitty and potatoes, if he doesn't stop messing with the... I, I can see his tail. <laughs> He's trying to sabotage that make. I can see He's him. He's been purring this whole time. I don't know. It's been really loud. No, no. It's just... been picked up. No, we're fine. We're fine. So, basically, the, the, the powers that be... And it's, it's most of the police, but they, they seem like they have like an army as well at points. But <laughs> they show up and storm this uh, homeless camp and they start just mowing... They're arresting people. They shoot some people. They've they... got like a bulldozer that yeah. just takes down all the all the camps. And Piper is walking kind of calmly at first, but kind of gets in on it. And I, I, you know, I said that David's race wasn't brought up overtly. 
too much in the movie. There is definitely a moment here that felt very overt, and it's the blind man, who is a black man, uh, mm-hmm. a black blind priest, of all people. Uh, we see the police just beating up with a... You know, if it, it's not even just that one of them beats him up with a nightstick. It is, there's like five of them kind of try to get to him, and he's like swinging his cane to sort of keep them away from him. And they get to him and start beating him up. He's like, he's the most helpless person. He, like, right. He, he does not need to be attacked. Uh, that felt mm-hmm. very political, just that moment in and of itself, and and Piper kind of like seeing this. And then I think that this here for me is a moment that I think is a really important moment for Piper's character in this, is that he sort of backs away and he notices that behind a corner there's like a sort of younger man who's kind of like cowering and, and scared. And I think everything up until this point, even though he's just kind of a bond forming with Keith David, it's been very he's much... He's been doing it all for himself. Yeah, though. it's all been very, I'm a loner. And I walk my own path and like, I, I don't help, you know, I stay out of other people's ways. You stay out of my way. I think this is an important moment because this is the moment where he puts out his hand and says, no, come with me. Like, uh, you need help. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's a You are being oppressed and I'm going to take you away from that. <laughs> yeah, he, he sees how awful this is. He sees how awful this activity is and he's like, no, I can make a difference to this one person who's not surrounded yet, I'm going to do it. And he puts out his hand. And I, I, it's, like a, it's it's very small, relatively speaking, but it does feel like a big, I think it's a big character moment that kind of, like, it's okay, he's our hero, and we're going to, like, sort of follow his, his journey of discovery now, where he's going to really realise what's going on around him. He's been blind to right. it, and now he's going to see more of it. And it Especially since he does a lot of murdering later on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I think that's, you know, you, you can sort of, like, make this an analogy for any kind of self-discovery you want you can say this this is someone discovering the treatment of homeless people which is the more literal sense mm-hmm. you can say it's someone discovering how minorities are treated you can say it's someone discovering how uh what you know whatever like it, it just works. the facade that the police are there to protect you yeah to protect citizens uh so they run and hide uh he gives the guy to some other people who are there to like, protect and he kind of waits out the night and goes out that, that next day and um, he, you know, he he stole, steals a box of the sunglasses, right? He gets a box of them uh, and and runs and he ends up in an alleyway and he, put, he hides the box, the rest of them, but he, he takes one pair and he puts the one pair on and he puts the pair on and he looks down at the ground and it's in black and white and he's like, that's weird. And th- and this is where this is where the movie like like the movie would probably still be a fun movie that people would like and talk about still, but it's this next like forty minutes that's the this yeah the linchpin right right. So he's walking down the street and he's like seeing things in black and white, but then he looks up at a billboard, and when he puts on the glasses, it's not the billboard anymore. It's just like a plain white background that says, in bold black text, "Obey." He's like. That's weird. And he sort of does it a couple times. And then he looks at a second billboard. And I really like this one. And this is where mm-hmm. I started pairing up the subliminal messages with the thing they're yeah. supposed to be. Because the second one is like... It's like a, a woman in a bikini yeah, on like a, a beach. beach. And it's like... And the advert's like, you know, go on holiday with your loved one. You know, go have a romantic getaway. And then he puts mm-hmm. on the glasses and it's like, uh, you know, uh, marry and reproduce or something to that effect. Right? I think it, that's what it says. Or yeah. procreate. I think it was procreate. Uh... And it was like, oh, yes, because it, it's good for you if there's a lot of poor people to 
you know feed off of and like spend mm-hmm. their money what little they have of it on your products and mm-hmm. keep the the system going um, and then there's like a, a closeout sale sign and it just says like consume <laughs> just yeah p- or purchase or, well, consu- or buy uh, consumes on the sale tag at the bottom the the, the actual mm-hmm. store header which was the closed store it was like um uh don't think for yourself like follow up you know like, it was like yeah be a sheep yeah, and just buy yeah. the same brands as everyone else and then the sale you know 50 percent off or whatever was consume <laughs> like yeah i think my favorite is uh with the guy holding money and then mm. when the with the glasses it just says this is your god now yeah on the money <laughs> itself yeah yeah really really good stuff and then obviously like if you, in case you didn't get the message yet <laughs> yeah yeah and obviously eventually he like he gets like a I mean, I don't know how long it's been since there's been a big magazine rack this big out in the street because, you know, the internet's yeah. kind of changed things a little bit. But uh, all the magazines... I, I almost wanted to pause it for a minute and just read all of them because there's like tons of them on the screen at one time. Yeah. Uh, but he... Eventually, this guy comes up who notably is in a very fancy suit. He's got a nice car. There's, there's definitely a trend with the type of people who are not people. They're <laughs> aliens. They're definitely the wealthy people um but you know this guy's face it's like uh i mean they're aliens but it's, it's almost like a person with no skin but in a, a slightly more cartoony way right it's like a cartoony skull with like flesh coming out and yes the guys it looks almost uh from like something from a while ago and i think maybe because it's in black and white it just evokes the twilight zone mm-hmm. but this is a very twilight zone image and that might have been on purpose I mean, I think the black and white also just evokes like we're taking the glamour away from everything and just showing you what it truly is in black and white. Yeah, and black and white, but literally. <laughs> but I think it also, I think having that like Twilight Zone recognition helps with this, these masks that the aliens, well, that the costume is that these actors are wearing also just it gives look a it, bit more terrifying. Yeah, it gives it this eeriness that mm-hmm. is just a little bit surreal. And I think that it does make you feel like you've walked into a Twilight Zone almost, right? It gives mm-hmm. you that kind of vibe. And there's definitely a pulpiness to it, but it's and they're kind of ridiculous, but they're meant to be ridiculous. It's kind of like, wait, they've been walking around and like this? They look like this and we haven't noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really interesting stuff. Um, Like he looks creepy, he's sort of staring back at him and, Piper's like just trying to process this thought. He's he's, he's almost like in shock. He's like a zombie. He doesn't really know what to think, and he just kind of stumbles around. And he yeah, start... he's just staring at the guy, and the guy's just like, "What the hell's your problem?" And he starts seeing more Poor person. <laughs> and, <laughs> they don't and they it's deserve not, to look at me. It's not everyone. Obviously, he sees like a, a rich woman who is an alien, but she's got like two friends who are handing bags, and they're humans mm-hmm. though. So it's very clear that there's people who have like given in to them, but they're not aliens themselves. They're yeah. sort of being the B tier of rich people to like feed off of them right kind of thing they're the ones that are they they still benefit from being around them but their their lives will never be the same as the people who are the the aliens who are actually on top yeah and honestly like obviously there's the famous line the bubblegum line but that's not my favorite line in the movie my favorite line in the movie is about to come up mm-hmm. so he goes into a, a, a supermarket and He's still, every, you know, not everyone, but there's a lot of people in the supermarket who are aliens. And he's kind of stumbling around. And again, this is another one where if you pause it, you you can see on all the products, like different mm-hmm. messages. But he yeah. gets into an alteration, altercation with a woman. And 
she's like, oh, what's your problem, buddy? And he's like, he takes the glasses on and off, and he looks at another woman, and he's like, you're really ugly. And he turns to this other woman who's not an alien and goes, now you, you're all right, but you're really effing ugly. <laughs> and it, that's, I, I pop for this line. This was a really funny line to me. Um, partly because, A, it's like a really blunt and like rude thing to say, but because he's, he's not actually talking about, I mean, he is technically because like he's seen a physical appearance, but in the allegory of the film, it's saying you're a filthy, leeching, rich person who makes everyone else's life miserable. You are ugly. Yeah. <laughs> right that, that's just effectively what you say mm-hmm. so there's layers to it but it's just really it, it's well, yeah, it comes up again when he talks when he's talking to like the the really attractive woman who's mm. like checking her hair in the mirror and stuff but then he sees her and like he's like putting perfume on a pig uh, yeah he says something with that yeah <laughs> uh but like i think his delivery of that that joke is way better than the bubblegum line it's oh, totally it's, it's a perfect yeah. delivery <laughs> so yeah, all that stuff is great, and you know it takes a bit of time. You know, it it doesn't like this movie does not rush its moments. Like it spends time having him stumble through the street, and the music's really good, and it's kind of this eerie. And but there's times when there's no music, and it just lets the sound of the city or the sound of the. Yeah, know. I actually really like like just you know turning your ears on to hear the all the little things that are being said in the distance, or just the you know all the the aliens when they talk and the women are talking about these Lamaze classes can you believe she didn't do Lamaze like for the baby's sake and it's just all this talk about excess and um just being wealthy and looking down on the on the poor and and the woman who bumps into him and just like oh excuse me the one that's you know the really effing ugly one (laughs) yeah you don't have your water flown in from uh nepal and then purified through five filters of like herbal essences and right meanwhile this guy this you know this blue collar guy is really trying it's just trying to find a place to sleep at night (laughs) and and all the commercials and stuff that you hear or the 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 news people in the background are always uh, they're also really good to to hone in on i think the first one we see is like an interview with an actress who's talking about how much she needs everyone to love her it's like oh i'm on tv and everyone loves me because i'm so beautiful and it's like just this vapid but it's it's also like selling the the dream of like anybody Mm -hmm. can be like me you know if you work hard and if you are if you really want it which is not true yeah yeah uh you can you can either be very 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 lucky you can work hard and and also be very lucky in Mm -hmm. combination uh but you can also work hard and not be lucky and still not do it you can also just not be lucky (laughs) well it's also yeah of course there's going to be people who are lucky and, and people who are deserve it uh, but the thing with capitalism is that if you have the ones that are really successful, you're always mm-hmm. going to have the ones that aren't. So there's there's no, obviously, I mean, yeah, there's a lot in the middle, but like for every rich person, you have ha- you have to have losers to for every winners, right? So that is the big lie that they're also selling. Yeah, but I don't know what, what would you say ninety nine for everyone, something <laughs> something like that, something like that, yeah, <laughs> something in that range. <laughs> that's not I mean, that's not true. Maybe it's like. One and then the middle class is like another what three and then ninety <laughs> and then everyone else yeah and then ninety six everyone else is the poor yeah something yeah. like that um, I'm sure there's actual statistics like wherever this one percent figure came from I'm sure there's also a percentage of 
the other levels, but they're, they're the ones that can buy themselves into being astronauts and presidents, and then there's <laughs> Are you thinking of someone specific there, Tara? No. I just you're just spitballing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds like a real bozo. Whatever he is. Um, so, yeah. Now that stuff is great, and he, you know, obviously he freaks out, and because he refers to like seeing like her ugly face, she gets her watch. They've all got communicators in the watch, and they're like. Mm-hmm. We've got someone he who can, can see. see us. He can see. He's here. Um, so all of a sudden, the police... And obviously, I think it's interesting that the first couple of police that like hunt him down are aliens, but then he, he runs into And they're one. open about it, too. Like, we know yeah. you can see us, so... They, they, so they'll try to trick him, like, oh, we can go somewhere quiet and talk... No, you're going to take him somewhere and snuff him. Uh, but yeah. it, it is interesting, though, that he does run into a police officer after that who isn't an alien, who's been given orders to apprehend him because it looks like he's murdering people. Right, because mm-hmm. on the outside, that's what it looks like. It looks like he's murdering people, but um, he um, he makes him drop his gun. But he's like, "No, you can go. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to get you. Just run, run away. Like I'm not going to kill you. You're not like." Yeah, um, I think that was a good choice too to 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 show that like it doesn't. Not everybody in the you know in law enforcement is 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 you know the the ones that are doing the impression the oppression, but it. They are being influenced and controlled by the ones who are. Yeah, yeah. They're still following the orders that are, you know. So, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, you know, I like... But yeah, the scene where the two cops get him in the alleyway and he just kind of has to fight back. Like This is the only time he can... I mean, he kind of flips, flips Keith David at one point, but uh, he does clothesline one of the cops. This is like the only time they sort of snuck in like a wrestling move. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but other than that, like... It's just all punching kicky, but he uh he gets the gun. He's like, "Oh, you well, you killed, you die just the same." Then, uh, so mm-hmm. he like grabs like so, like a shotgun and like it, it almost feels like yeah, it, to the public this would feel like oh, there's a shooter on the loose because he's just killed police <laughs> and he's he en- a crazy guy. Yeah, because he ends up stumbling into like a bank and that's where he drops the bubble gum line because they all turn and look at him, and that's where he says it. Uh, and then he yeah. uh, then he runs into the police officer. So he lets go, and then he kidnaps business lady. It's actually Joe. It's almost like it makes me think of Commando. It's like when Arnold's like sneaking around the the, the mall in Commando, and he ends up like saying, "All right, I'm commandeering your vehicle, Miss." Uh, it's kind of like that, except in this case, it's business lady mm-hmm. from Leviathan Lady. Leviathan, yes. Uh, uh, Who's also a business lady there? <laughs> Who's also what? Who's also business lady in Leviathan. She's business lady in both. I guess she's kind of typecast as. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's, it's because she's got like a stare on her face with like the big 80s hair. So she, 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 she fits those that. those eyes, man. They're so cold. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're beautiful, but like they are icy, icy blue. Yeah. She, do you know what she reminds me of? Actually, she looks a lot like, uh, oh, what's her name? The She looks like Julia from Hellraiser to me. Oh, Maybe I can see that. I watch those movies. No, I'm, think I'm thinking of the woman who was the villain in uh, Sabrina. She was also the villain in Doctor Who. You know who I'm talking about? The Scottish actress. Um, I don't know her name, but, but you know in the TV about. show, Sabrina. Yeah. yeah, in the Netflix show, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, not the nineties one. The, the yeah, the, the Netflix one. Uh, she's like the evil teacher. Or, well, mm-hmm. she takes over the evil... She's an evil person who takes over the teacher's body, technically. She's... Uh, but, oh, I guess it's a spoiler to say who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like... It's just, I think she looks a lot like her, actually. She looks like an 80s version of her. 
but yeah uh, and obviously like she's like saying i don't really want to take you back to my place he's like well it's the only place that's good to hide so take me to your and yeah he knows that she's human because he's wearing the glasses yeah and she has this ridiculous uh hill apart or house that's got the you know it's on the hill so there's big stilts at the back to hold it up on the the thing um which she's very successful very successful I'll, I'll be honest though it looks like see when you're actually look under that and you go this actually doesn't look like this looks less safe than i would like it to <laughs> i'm sure it yeah. is i'm sure from an engineering point of view i'm sure they know what they've done but <laughs> i mean there's so many uh, houses like that here yeah. but um yeah i mean it's not like they don't <laughs> they're not in danger of a like a mudslide or yeah. landslide or earthquakes you know yeah stuff like that. And, but and this does introduce the idea that there's very successful people who are not aliens, right? There's still there's still people who are like that, um, and this may be the funniest thing in the movie, to be honest. This thing caught, catches me so off guard. Yeah, that, this is insane, <laughs> and it's this is sort of thing where it's kind of a B movie, so you kind of like they're having fun, just roll with it. But she, she like there's a couple of funny moments where he's kind of like it looks like he's falling asleep, and she's sort of going to like make a move, and he's like, "Don't try me, lady." <laughs> he's like, but. Basically, like, there's a phone call that lets us know that she works at the TV station, um, where the you know all these like broadcasts we're seeing are. Yeah, she just tells him. He asks her yeah. what she does. And, but she takes a, an opportunity at one point to hit him over the head with like a like a bottle or a vase or something like that, and then she just surprisingly easily like pushes him out the window. Yeah, she, she like pushes him and elbows him or whatever, and he just goes flying out the window like he's just been. It's like he's just been like, like drop kicked by a wrestler. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, how he, like, that's how. That's how. The looks window's like. not open. It's no, no, no. <laughs> he just shatters through the glass. It, it's, it's a big, uh, you know, glass, you know, open window design, right? So this entire wall is just yeah. like window, and just one big panel of it just smashes, and he goes flying out of it and lands in the hill. Uh, or lands I mean, in the she, she does catch, his, catch him off guard. I mean, myself included. I was kind of like, what? What just happened? I had to rewind it. I mean, I, I'm totally fine. I felt like it. I missed something or that, like, is she like an alien who's like not... Super like, strength? She, could, yeah. yeah, did she have like super strength? I was confused I, by the scene. Yeah, I have no problem with her catching him off guard and hitting him over the head. It was just like, she's strong enough to just... Because like, she made that look easy. It looked like an easy yeah. push. It just looked yeah. like, you know. I was like... I would if I, if I this is my house and I, someone like fell out the window that easily I'd be like hey I want some reinforced glass on these but I don't want it just trip. and then she like she calls like a nine one one or something afterward and she's she's cool she's calm about it like no biggie I just like, threw him out the window I, I, are you used to, <laughs> did, did you know your own strength is this like normal for you yeah <laughs> if anything this makes a uh, Leviathan's knockout punch more impressive. <laughs> Peter Weller, like man, he didn't know the 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 behemoth he was coming up against when he swung Seriously. that. So that's 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 great stuff. Uh, <laughs> but it does a little tease here where his sunglasses were left on the floor, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe she's going to put them on, and it cuts. And we don't see her again for a while, so it's like, oh, oh, maybe she's going to like discover what he was like paranoid about and what he was talking about. Um, yeah, because he was trying to tell her like, there's yeah, there's there's some something going on here yeah so he goes to the work site and we've not seen keith david in a little bit ever since the, the raid on the on the homeless camp but keith david like sees him hiding like behind some like you know boxes or something and he comes over he's like what are you doing here you're all over the news you murdered like five, five people like <laughs> get away 
I'm surprised he wants anything to do with them. Yeah. Um, and he tells him to get away. He, ha- he can't have anything to do with them. But when Piper goes back to this alleyway and fletch the rest of the glasses, um, well, actually, before he- Keith David shows up, he actually has a fun little adventure in the <laughs> in the garbage truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually, there's actually something really silly and funny about the fact that he effectively empties the entire truck as it's driving away. So I I can just imagine these these garbage guys, like, getting to, like, the next stop, going to the back and be like, oh, shit, (laughs) it's empty. (laughs) Because the alley was just covered in trash. (laughs) But but he gets his box box of glasses back, don't worry. The the, the movie's saved. gets his box back but keith david shows up and keith david clearly sees what he's just done because he, he, he comes like walking out of this pile of trash on the ground mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with the sunglasses yeah and keith david like f- throws him a wad of cash and says that's a week's pay it's the best and it's like oh this is actually kind of sweet of him but, like he doesn't even know why he killed anyone he's like he's willing to give him a week's pay to go and like hide somewhere like hey yeah here's a week's pay go and hide uh that's the best i can do but paper's like man you gotta put these glasses on. And Keith David apparently just really doesn't like sunglasses because he, like, you would think just to shut them up, he would just put them <laughs> on for a second. <laughs> I mean, I sort of thought of it as maybe he's just so resistant to challenging the status mm. quo because he's afraid. That's what he's it represents. Afraid, he's afraid mean, of having yeah. the truth revealed to him. That's what it represents. I, I get what you're saying, yeah. But it does go on a long time. It, this, this fight, <laughs> and it is just like a fist fight where they'll fight for like 30 seconds to a minute, they'll throw some punches, and then Piper will say again, put them on, man. And he's like, nah. And there's so many like fun little bits to this where like, you know, like he'll, he'll go for his balls and Keith David's like, you dirty mother effer, and like mm-hmm. he'll like punch him and they'll start fighting more dirty he threatens to like stand in the glasses at one point he's like no and then he just like he uses the distraction to knee him in the face uh <laughs> like they're throwing hard punches like they're throwing uh yeah i mean because i mean and there's no music playing oh. during this so it is very just you're just watching and listening to two people like beat the crap out of each other and it is i it looks like it's a lot for them also because they take breaks like every 30 seconds to talk and they're like they they really look like they're worn out. Oh yeah, and I think that's actually something that adds to the fight because you totally. get to the the end of like each section and they're so tired and they're like, "All right, man, you ready to call it and just put the glasses on your prick? Is is it time?" Nope. It's like nope, <laughs> and it's like they just start throwing punches again. But the fact that there's no music, it's like the sound of them grunting and punching mm-hmm. and being out of breath. It just makes it all feel like absurdly real. But at the same time, it's also absurd that they're fighting this long over putting on a pair of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's, but it's kind of wonderful. It's Put like, my tinfoil hat on. It's like really well <laughs> shot and feels really hard hitting, so it's really good. And then it goes on so long that you start to think, maybe this is going on too long. But then it goes on so long that it comes back around to, this is wonderfully absurd how long this is lasting. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's the, the sequence of events and the fight scene. Yeah, you're wore out after watching it. Oh yeah, I'm like damn. I think I've just been through a fight. But eventually, <laughs> Keith David's down on the ground. Papers got the winning blow, and he he grabs the glasses, he puts them on his face, and basically just like makes him look around, and he's like this sort of black and white, and he like he gets him like at least far enough down the alleyway 
and he's sort of holding he's, like, he's almost holding him up like he's like a zombie <laughs> like just holding him yeah. up in his arms and he's, he starts to see he sees like a person at the end of the alleyway who like turns and looks down at them and he's an alien and he's like what the you know he's, he's like completely freaked out by it and then you know that's them they're they're their brothers in arms now he's seeing the truth and they're walking down the street side by side and he's like damn like this is uh and you know and, and this effectively ends the the amazing section of the movie which is the discovery the putting on the glasses the the badass like murder spree if you want to call it that uh, and then the keith david like fight like mm-hmm. th- this is just a wonderful portion of the film that is just and it's not that the first half hour or the last half hour or whatever it works out to be it's not they're bad they're actually very well done and mm-hmm. solid and fun but that middle section jesus is just perfect yep and obviously also the the, the woman just like nudging him slightly and him just <laughs> smashing through the window like it's <laughs> like this force yeah that was hilarious oh wonderful uh, yeah, I mean the the fight scene is really, it's it's really rough to 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 watch. I don't really enjoy watching real violence, and this really comes off as real violence. I, I yeah, I don't like real violence either. I I kind of appreciate. It's kind of weird because I actually watch wrestling, and obviously wrestling is like it's it's a show. It's it's, it's predetermined, and they're putting on a, a show. People do get hurt though, yeah. But people do get hurt, and sometimes to space it up a little bit, they'll let each other like you know do not a punch like because that would actually really do damage if they punch someone in the face for real uh but like they'll do like you know really harsh like chops like slaps in the chest because it makes a really good sound right but sometimes (laughs) when you see that like at the end of the match like their chests are just red and they've given consent like they're they're okay doing this to each other they've they've agreed to do this for the show and they they, they, did but so i'm okay with it to an extent because they've made that choice they're consenting adults and they know what they're doing and they know that that's a safe place to hit because it's not going to cause any damage right it, it'll hurt but it's not you know it's just like that's you said the wind like, gets knocked out of him though yeah <laughs> but, but like you said like the faces and the crotch were off limits for a reason because that's the like, right the head's yeah, a sensitive but, i mean area. david does get like body slammed onto the concrete at one point <laughs> it looks pretty rough <laughs> it looks very wrestling also I, I i almost wonder if this came from piper who because he does come from wrestling he you know he probably brought a little bit of the no let's just like have a fight for like 10 minutes and let's like sort of like put on like something that feels and you get you know because it's a movie they can actually make it more convincing because they get to have Mm -hmm. cuts and they get to have multiple takes or whatever but i I almost imagine him going up to keith david and being like hey this would be really good if we like you know you're a big guy i'm a big guy let's slap each other around a a little bit (laughs) a big guy fight and Keith David, I imagine, being a little proud. Uh, and maybe he's really enthusiastic, but at the very least, he was proud enough to go, yeah, I can take it. Yeah, well, yeah let's do it. Maybe. Man. <laughs> let's slap some beef. That's the <laughs> Beefy men slapping beef. That's what this was. <laughs> yeah, it was a good scene. Um, and I, I don't think that the movie goes, like, downhill or anything. It's no, just no, no. not as exciting as that middle part. Yeah, yeah, because it's still fun. Like, there's a little bit. Of, it quietens down a little bit as they wait at a hotel. Uh, the guy who was running the the camp before shows up and is like, "Okay, you guys are in now. You know what's going on. Come to this address. We're, we're arranging stuff." Because you know this was an organization. They, they they were making these glasses, and then when they get to this like meeting, they've got they've got contact lenses now. Uh, <laughs> uh, so fair enough. But when he's there, 
they've got some insider knowledge about how to get to the TV station, and he turns around, and who is it? Who is it? None other than Leviathan Lady. <laughs> Holly. Holly's there. Yep. And I love how we were probably the only people who referred to her in this as Leviathan Lady, and it's <laughs> when, when most people, if they watch Leviathan, probably go, oh, it's the Live Lady. Probably. That's what most people do, but we're, we're doing it the other way around because we're weirdos. Um... So they've got a plan, they want to turn off the signal, they think if they can turn off the signal that's been beamed around, it'll wake everyone up. So the movie's goal is basically to just make everyone aware that this is what the world is. It's about enlightenment. Yeah. And the world can sort itself out from there, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although people are pretty convinced that, are pretty good at convincing themselves of things as the world has taught us over the last, well, forever. Well, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think we'll talk about that more when we get to to the ending and how it ends exactly, but... I, this has also been established throughout the film that there is some sort of signal that's been mm. going around that keeps people, they call them asleep, but I think it's just the opposite of being awake, like being enlightened, that people are, are just sort of zombie-like and yeah, yeah. following the orders, you know, of H- hence of the, all the rules. Hence the title, They Live. We Sleep, right. They Live. Yeah. 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 Yeah, um, exactly. I also think of it like they live like only the only the one percent are the ones that actually are able to have a a real life. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, that works too. Yeah. Uh, so no, um, th- this was actually the part of because uh, just to sort of go along with this, like all of my memories of this movie were the premise, the glasses, the fight, uh, the you know what the glasses did. Like this lasts like twenty five minutes, where mm-hmm. like so 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 the army storms this meeting. A lot of them die. And the only reason why our heroes get away and get to like somewhere interesting is because they've got one of their watches. Like, like at this like meeting, they've like they've, they've like stolen some of these magic watches they've got, which apparently have goddamn teleportation tech in them. Well, we see one of the aliens like disappear at one yeah. point, and we're like, "What? They can do that?" <laughs> uh, and sure enough, like they don't they don't know how to turn it on properly, but the watch gets damaged, and it's got like a a safety feature where it makes like a little portal to their base, so you can get away. Uh, since it's broken so they both mm-hmm. jump out of the portal which lands them in a secret underground system which the aliens are controlling that's doing it and i'd forgotten all of this i'd forgotten how how like hardcore sci-fi this gets there's like a teleportation like mm-hmm. transit system which is taking people to, to andromeda other, to andromeda and not only that the alien when they walk in the big ballroom and it's like a fancy you know it's uh you know what was, what was this called maralaga what was the place I'm thinking of? <laughs> yeah, it's some sort of like, uh, like yeah, Mar-a-Lago or um, the. It looks like a ballroom that's been used for some sort of like Scientology conference. Yeah, but it's <laughs> all something. it's all tuxedos and expensive dresses, and it's basically the alien on stage is like telling like, and the the assumption is that most of these people are actually well, not some of them are definitely aliens, but. Some of them aren't, and it's like, no, our alliance mm-hmm. together, we're controlling the world, and and they say by 2025, we'll control absolutely everything. I'm like, oh, okay, our, we're, we're almost there, guys. Like, we got to keep an eye on this. <laughs> Things are getting bad. Uh, and it's like, I'd forgotten all of this stuff. Like, I'd, I'd really forgotten I all this I didn't know ending. anything about this, because, I mean, I haven't seen this movie, but I've seen all the clips, like, from yeah. most of that middle chunk of the film before. So this, I this was all new to me. This is the first time for me, and yeah, it was quite bizarre. Yeah, and you can, you can feel them just having fun with this. 
Like the homeless guy from earlier shows up and he's in a tux and he's got a clean goatee now as opposed to the big bushy beard and he's like, oh, you two guys have joined up now too. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Ah, yes, isn't it great being rich and like can do anything <laughs> we want and all the rest of it and yeah, just another commentary about how people would be if if people people are just willing to yeah. to be submissive in order to succeed in this world that is very unfair. Yeah, they get if they get let in, all of a sudden they'll stop complaining about the powerful and rich because now they're one of them, and that's it. Right, you've been indoctrinated. Yeah. Um, so he gives them a tour, and we see the transit system, we see uh, a couple of places, but they get to like basically the bottom of the TV studio where the TV actual studio where they shoot this news program is. And what's funny is he actually gets to like disappear. He doesn't die. This goatee guy when they turn on him. He uses his watch and he gets away. Mm-hmm. So he's actually free and clear. But they storm into the TV studio. They've got their guns. They're like, ah, oh, you know, where's Holly? Let's find Holly. You know, well, Piper's like that. Keith David's like, who's Holly? What? Holly? <laughs> Holly who? <laughs> but. They... I mean, he was really impressed at her strength. So That's true. true. <laughs> that, that's it for him now. Well, he did talk but to she, she She does apologize to him. Like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know. Well, that's the scene where, I mean, I'm. Because it's a movie, there's kind of a love interest vibe the first time they meet anyway, even though it's under that weird duress. But this is mm-hmm. the, the scene where they talk to each other before the army storm in is like the actual sexual tension scene where they're like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't know. Like, you know, and like they're, they're sort of staring at each other. There's all these awkward pauses. Like, the, the, yeah, the, the sexual tension. I didn't buy it for a second, though. I, I buy that he <laughs> wanted her. <laughs> like, I mean. I, I admit, maybe it's because of Leviathan, but I didn't trust her. No, no, no. I agree. I think I think the twist that she is actually working in is is complicit with the aliens is super obvious. However, mm-hmm. I think the way it's revealed, and it's it's just a simple thing. It's the speed of which she turns on Keith David and the Seriously, quickness of the edit. Yeah, it, that was like a really brutal thing. Like, oh, she just pulls out a gun and points at his head and it cuts away with the sound of a gunshot so quickly it's the, it's the way the edit is so quick that it felt quite shocking even though the twist of her being a bad guy is not shocking but the way right. that they do it felt really shocking just like yeah just there's no there's no speech there's no there's nothing there it's just a quick turn bang into his skull like it, it almost makes you want to like turn away because you're like oh i don't want to it's so quick and like you don't want to see it <laughs> it, it feels awful it feels like someone that we've yeah. grown to care about throughout the film just get taken away in the blink of an eye and it, it, yeah just like that it's genuinely quite shocking especially i think at this point because it feels like such a fun cool movie like we've been saying that it doesn't feel like ah it's a fun b movie our two leads aren't in danger they're, they're, they're the heroes at least until the end and it's, it is actually like right before the end anyway but you know it feels it's such a shocking like quick death that it's like oh right and then she goes up and she holds paper at gunpoint and um he gets the better of her, shoots her, and says, "Yeah, f it." And sh- you know, even though he's going to get mowed down by the helicopter, it doesn't matter. He shoots the satellite, and the end of the movie is that we see everyone around the world sees the aliens for what they really are, and for the first time, we see them in color, which is a is, is a nice touch because it looks even more silly. And they all start freaking out. They see the messages on the wall, and you, they don't even notice them. But we—if you're paying attention as the viewer—you can see in the background, like the posters and stuff and whatever, mm-hmm. have all turned to just whatever the messages were. And the final moment of the movie that it chooses to end on, which is a very fu- obviously intentionally kind of silly, funny moment, is a couple having sex 
maybe even a prostitute. I was un- kind of unclear what the scenario was, but where she, there's a woman on top, and she's and we just, just see her yeah, and, and, her, she, and her fantastic breast. Yeah, fantastic <laughs> breast, and she's not looking down. She's just you know she's doing the job. I think she's, she's distracted because all, all the everything's changing around her. Yeah, but she looks at the TV, sees like an alien, and goes, "Huh, that's weird," and then looks down screams and the final lay of the movie is the alien with the weird alien face going what's the matter honey <laughs> cut to <laughs> cut to credits <laughs> yeah pretty funny <laughs> I, but I, I do I, like i like the i like the idea that the the movie ends with okay now the world has the information has the truth what happens from here like and and you can kind of speculate like would we want to continue yeah. business as usual i don't I, know i think the metaphor at the end just in the final moment, I really like. But wouldn't it be even better if she wasn't on top? Because, you know, she's literally being screwed by <laughs> the people at the top. <laughs> right? Uh, missed opportunity, Carpenter. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I feel like the, like, it's still kind of there because she's, you know, she's still having sex with him. But, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it would have been funnier. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the things that I like, you know, we, we obviously we mentioned the black and white scenes and how good they look. I think I love like how it's used at various points. See when they're like fighting off the army with the guns when the the, the base is being stormed before they jump through the portal. Those like mm-hmm. as they were just in this gunfight in the alleyway. Every so often, it'll just cut to like a quick shot of black and white to see the aliens. Like it just yeah, and the reflection in the eyes are like really cool and intimidating. Mm, yeah. Or during those moments, it gives it's it almost this... like yeah, like they're like it's like a like you're playing a Call of Duty game or something, but <laughs> against the monsters. Yeah, I mean, it's way cooler than that. <laughs> Call of Duty has sure. no atmosphere. Yeah. You kidding me? It's just bros <laughs> with guns. Yeah, shoot, 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 bang, bang. I think I remember one of them I played was kind of good. I mean, I don't know why. It was a while but, ago. But I, I don't, I don't think that has what this has, which is this surreal thing where it, when it turns to black and white for a moment, where it just feels like it gives it this flavor that most like gunfights don't have. Yeah, and I also found that I was kind of longing for it because we go a long time without seeing mm. what they're seeing. Yeah, well, because like, got, yeah, show us more, show us more. Things. Because like, they've got who, the con- who it is and who isn't. Because they've got the contacts in. Basically, at this point, Carpenter can just choose whenever he wants to switch to it because they don't have to have the right. glasses on anymore. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. Which, by the way, the the guy who runs the uh, the group, right, or at least this the city's section of this group that are trying to fight back. Um, mm-hmm. when they storm the base and he like sort of makes a stand with his one gun and the, the army like mow him down like he gets riddled like robocop style yeah <laughs> with bullets uh just extra cruel yeah because because yeah because the cruel it's not just about keeping order it's about you know making a statement it's about mm-hmm. being in control and having the power and all the rest yeah of you it. don't matter yeah so yeah, so I, I think to sort of return to something we said way back in Spoiler Free, the comparing it to the Matrix, like, there's definitely a little bit of that. Like, you can almost, like, swap out the Matrix code for the the subliminal, like, messages and stuff like that. Um, You could say yeah. the, 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 the police and that are, like, the agents kind of running at, down after anyone who's been woken up kind of thing. Um, and the ultimate goal at the end of the movie is to wake everyone up. Like, you know, there's definitely some parallels, you know? Sure. I think even just the, the idea of being stuck in a machine that you don't realize you're a part of mm-hmm. and uh, is um, is an idea in both <clears throat> in both films. Yeah, waking up. It's just, that's what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. They they refer. I mean, obviously, it's not literally sleeping in this, but they they, they metaphorically refer to it as sleeping. Hence, they live. And mm-hmm. in the Matrix, it is literally you're waking up from the this fake world. So, uh, a lot of parallels. Now, the Wake Matrix is a better movie. Don't get me wrong, but they live is pretty damn good. I and, would say so too. Yeah, and it's a lot of fun. It, it's definitely got a B movie vibe. It's definitely got, you know, it's not intricate lead characters, but I. I I think there was maybe like a, a almost like a strategical genius move by having blue collar B movie just cool badass hero as the, mm-hmm. as your lead in a movie that has a relatively like nuance well not nuance but like deep message you know like I mean it's on mm-hmm. the surface don't get me wrong it's not deep in the sense that you have to go digging for it but it, it it's a it's a very you know it's a big message it's a very political message that has a, it's saying a lot about a lot of society so it's got big ideas and big things to say but at the center of your story you have mostly roddy paper yeah sort of with, with somebody that i think a lot of like the uh the conspiracy theorists imagine they are anyway like the gun wielding mm. um hard worker the construction worker probably drives a big truck with a flag on the back of it or something <laughs> you know <laughs> i think that's what i think that's what uh i think i think it's really interesting casting very good casting and intentional to have somebody like that in the lead role yeah and the idea of waking up and realize that you're kind of part of like the people in charge's plan like to be held at this level and to yeah. never you know so there's a, there's a lot of good like stuff they, there. they tell you there's a dream that everybody has but it's has not, I, I, the same fair shot. And I, I think it's important as well that I don't think it in any way is belittling anyone. It's, it's not no. It's not being mean to people who maybe don't think about the world this way. It's not being mean to anyone. It's, it's, it's sort of just saying it's important for more people to wake up and realize and sort of see the world for how it is. No, you can't really blame people, you know. Yeah. It's like I've had a, you know, a, a lot of people blame people for being like, obese and overweight or like it's their fault they have diabetes and stuff and it's like but it's not because they're just surrounded by signs that say eat everywhere and food is like designed to be so addictive and like it's literally designed by scientists to have the right level of crunch and salt and sugar and fat so that like how could you like how how can you blame anybody for eating too much like food is so different from what it used to be I know it's kind of out there as an example, but like, it's just something that popped to mind. But like, you can't always blame people for not knowing that there's that they're being tricked and I, fooled and lied I like, to. I like the idea, and I, like, I hope this is true for anyone, really, in the sense that if you if you are thinking about these things, that you are kind of seeing these things for what they are. But mm-hmm. I do love the idea that the tower walks around and does just see the word "eat" on like anything that's like <laughs> like the McDonald's you know, sign is just "eat." Yeah. <laughs> it, it it's true like i i was thinking about that um like years ago when i like dramatically changed how i how i ate and was trying to be very healthy and just all the commercials were just like burgers with cheese and and ketchup like dripping off of them and the soda commercials that would come up and before the movies and stuff and get the candy and it's just for me it's just like eat 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 that's all that's i fair. that's all i see <laughs> i mean i definitely got an ad for soy milk yesterday so they're not all super bad sure <laughs> unhealthy. i understand yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> did it make you want to get soy milk 
Honestly, the colour of it and a couple of the clips made me not want it, because I'm like, that doesn't look like milk. <laughs> yeah, it's slightly greyer. Yeah, that's not the right colour. We do it. Stop it. <laughs> I love soy milk. I, I love it. I have uh, a soy milk addiction. Yeah. Um, I, but I, only uh, the vanilla flavoured ones. Oh, sure. Um, I, yeah, I, I think this is obviously a fun, almost cheesy in places intentionally, B-movie. But even this has, you know, when people, like, when I hear people who get mad, uh, like, at modern media for being too SJW or sensitive or being <laughs> pandering, and I'm like, all good stories have messages in them. And this is mm-hmm. an example of something from the 80s that is good, cheesy, well-made, but cheesy fun, but does have a lot of messaging in it. And that's totally. part, kind of part of its charm. I, th- I think that's maybe even part of the joke of the movie in a way is that you try to give this message to people in a type of movie that you wouldn't think of as having this type of strong message. You're giving them, you're giving them the fast food movie to expose right. the fast food of the society, if you will. <laughs> like, you know, it's right. just, it's, it's like getting a Big Mac, but then you open your Big Mac and it's like, here's a, what's a really good vegan thing, Tara? <laughs> I, I, I like um, a Beyond Burger. <laughs> well, that's not, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, I'm trying to think well, about it. you a, bite into it and you just bite into enlightenment. No, no, I'm trying to conjure an image of, you know how when you open a book and someone's like cut out something so that they can hide like a, you know, in like Shawshank, it's like a little digger. Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. like you open a Big Mac up and there's like actually like a hole where like a, like a, I don't know, uh, an avocado or something. <laughs> I see. Just to pick the I millennial. I see the metaphor now. Yeah. Just to pick the millennial uh, <laughs> trope of a fruit. There's an avocado toast inside here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's not, I don't know if that's the silliest thing I could think of, but that's, that's what my mind went to. Um, I like it. But <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. It's slick. It's cool. Music. The visuals. I mean, it's not necessarily the best sounding Carpenter movie or the best looking Carpenter movie, but it's a super fun one, and I mm-hmm. I do think it belongs in his category of good movies by you know a considerable margin. So totally. Uh, I like it a lot. It is a last of a time, and it's like ninety minutes. It's yeah, it's an easy watch. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and you know, I feel like on screams and sacred hockey mask, I get a lot of easy rides. I mean, they're, they're not because a lot of them are bad movies, but they're usually at least short, and it's rare when I see something that's over two hours. But we do a lot of two hour plus movies on this show. We do. We did like a five-hour movie once. <laughs> we did, yes. Which I, I didn't believe Tara. I, I thought she was just joking because it was nearly three hours long. And it turned you out... thought that... I was being hyperbolic. Well, no, because like, to no, be fair... I don't want to watch no, the no, movies no. like five hours. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair, on IMDb, it said like three hours because that was the theatrical cut. I did not realize the version that we were going to watch was the extended director's cut, which was almost five hours long. Right, that's the difference. Right, yeah. Right. The movie we were referring to, just in case you want to go track down a review or the movie itself, is called Until the End of the World. Uh, it was quite good. It actually was quite good. Uh, but it is a slow burn, as you may expect. <laughs> Almost it's very five different hours. from this film. <laughs> yes. Uh, that said, better than all the other Rings films, so, you know, take that as you will. Uh, I disagree. Mm, I think you'll find it. Now, Tara, uh, <laughs> what would you rate the love? You know, I'm kind of torn. Because 
I just hate Ronald Reagan so much that I really <laughs> want to give this movie like a really high rating. 11. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is totally up my alley, <laughs> this movie. Um, there, I mean, there are some things that make me get, uh, I don't want to say bored, but like a, a little less interested at points. But, um, and like not, not all the acting is great, but uh, I, I do think it's very good. So I'm teetering between like an 8.5 and a 9. Whoa. Which is pretty high, I know. Yeah, that shouldn't. But I really, really love it. <laughs> all right, I'll just go for the 9. Great film. Good. Great job. Damn. I, I was not expecting quite that. I, I, I'm, I'm actually... I'm I gonna, think this movie, like, was kind of made for me. I, I'm going to sound <laughs> negative, but I'm going to give it a straight 8. Which yeah. is going to sound negative compared to that, but I really, I, I like this better than the first time I watched it, and I think it's great. I, I think it's a great movie. Maybe the next time you watch it, will will go up a little bit. Who knows? I don't think. I think I've solidified. But, you know, I'm comparing it to other Carpenter films. Like there's, there's, I've got, like, a hierarchy in my head where this is this is risen for sure yeah but uh i, I mean honestly th- i think this movie just speaks to me okay love it okay maybe one day when i uh, end up doing top 10 carpenter you can you can guess and give your own for comparison's sake <laughs> i just love especially because there's so many movies around this time that were like <laughs> that were very based around Reaganomics and mm. praising Ronald Reagan for the America that he's bringing. And so it's nice to see a movie from this time that's like, no, he's the reason for a lot of shit. A lot of bullshit in, in the country and in the world. Oh, it's worth mentioning, despite the fact that you've brought his name up quite a number of times, it's never mentioned, I don't think. No, but the president in the film that you see who is an alien on tv mm-hmm. like uses ronald reagan's catchphrase oh like, sure it's yeah I mean, it's, it's definitely baked into it i'm just you know I, I i can almost see like some idiot comment like just been like why would you keep talking about ronald reagan ronald reagan's never mentioned in the movie well that person's an idiot so i know but you know <laughs> I, I like to say it so at least if that comment is made and other people see that comment they know that we've made fun of them even before they made their comment and that makes it because i mean someone who makes that comment probably won't finish the whole episode <laughs> i would expect i could be wrong and we're right at the end now so they may not see this part hey they might also agree that this movie's a nine they might but hey that's fine uh some people some people love great movies for wrong reasons but mm-hmm. that's okay so there you go and uh, that is <laughs> they live uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm going to make Tara pose for the thumbnail at this juncture. I don't uh, have any sunglasses, so just make my eyes like real big and put me in black and white. <laughs> okay, okay. You have the sunglasses, so black and white it is. You can have the sunglasses. Yeah. I'll be the alien. I mean, I don't think I have actual sunglasses, but I have like uh, 3D glasses from the movie theater, which will look good enough. <laughs> Just superimpose them. You can do that. You have Photoshop. Oh, sure. I mean, look, it's Scotland, all right? There's not as much need for sunglasses. <laughs> all right. Three, two, one. Pause. <laughs> oh, man. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> There's going to be, like, people are going to be calling this clickbait with that pause. Jeez. Hot. <laughs> 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 um, yeah also but i also wear glasses all the time so 
wearing sunglasses has like never been something I've even thought of doing because it's just like and I know you can get ones that fit over or attach but it's just I already wear glasses all the time so I live in Southern California I never wear sunglasses I just I just squint sure okay. I'm, I'm just justifying because you give me this face like yo you have three glasses but not sunglasses like some sort of weirdo I mean that is weird how's that weird having a pair of 3D glasses like the red and blue ones or no the black ones from like modern movies. I don't own any films that come with glasses. Nor do I. They're from the movie theater. You you buy them when you go to see a 3D movie and then you keep them for the next time you need them. Oh no, we don't have that here. You're looking like I'm like a crazy person. Yeah, we don't have that here for 3D films. You're supposed to put them in the bin when you're done. You don't give I'm them not... back. You keep them your <laughs> pair. They're your pair. No, that's not a thing here. <laughs> So you have to wear glasses that other people have used? Oh, that's gross. Yeah, they, they've been, like, disinfected. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> I mean, it's not that gross to wear glasses of someone else's. I mean, I that they've worn it. for, like, a two-hour period. <laughs> yeah, but think of the weirdos. I mean... I don't know, man. It's think not of the that weirdos. big of a deal. Like people are eating. Usually they come in plastic, so Pe- I, I don't know if they get thrown away or if they get recycled or Pe- sent back to the people who made them. People are eating like greasy or like slimy food, then they're touching the glasses and they're taking them off. Okay. And- so like rides like Disneyland or oh whatever that are three D. Yeah, you have glasses, but it's Disneyland, so you know they disinfect them. And then, but in the movie theater, they always give you a pair that come, you know, wrapped. So you open up the wrapping and you. So they must get recycled, or are cleaned up, and then, and then sent back because they're they're plastic wrapped. Okay, all right. I was just gonna so like, it's, you know a new pair. I hope they're not disposing them and reusing. I was them just instead. trying to defend myself because you looked like a crazy person when it was perfectly reasonable that I'd have a pair or two of those just lying around. From... Well, it turns out that it's reasonable in your country, but not in this country. Okay. It's actually really annoying if you forget to take them because you have to buy a new pair because most people mm. who have been at least once to a 3D movie, and I, and I don't go to a lot of 3D movies, like I, I've been to like a handful, but because uh, I didn't like it very much, <laughs> which is why. But yes, that's normal. That's not that's perfectly normal here. Anyway, <laughs> that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. You can support everything we do by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications. All those things help out a lot in YouTube, so please do hit the buttons. And of course, you can support us uh, elsewhere. If I, I will thank our Patreon producers uh, right now for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. There are producers at one of the higher tiers on Patreon, but Tara is going to tell you all more about that right now. That's right, Peter. Is that right? Enjoy. I'm not <laughs> wrong. Oh my God. Give me a ding the bell. Give me some points. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need to go. That's right. If you enjoy our reviews, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as well as $1 per month, you will get access to bonus episodes of The Ace. So if you're looking for your favorite B-movie, that is not John Carpenter, but uh, they live adjacent, um, please check out the Patreon page. And if you donate $5 per month, you'll get to vote on what we watch once a month. And you'll get access to these reviews one day early. And speaking of votes, next week is a vote winner. 
Wait, no, it's not. This week was Last week was a vote. What are we talking about? Next week is a different film. Next week is a different (laughs) film. film. (laughs) Next week you can get a day early. Uh, This is why Tara only does the Patreon plug. <laughs> um, yes, next week. That's fair, yeah. Next week's uh, is uh, Dune, the original 1984 David Lynch directed Dune. I'm looking forward to watching this again. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's been a while for me. And obviously, that we're doing this because the new one's coming next month, and we're going to. Well, by the time you get this, I mean it'll be October anyway. So, so or by the time you get Dune, that is. So yeah, but uh, you'll have this in September. So if you're watching this early enough, then yeah, it's still next month. Next month, the new Dunes film's coming, which obviously we're going to do, but we're going to catch up and make sure we've done the David Lynch one first, uh, as well as uh, Arrival at some point before Dune, the new one comes out, because that's another uh, very new science fiction film that we should do. So there you go. And Sicario and No, Prisoners. that's not. That's not sci-fi. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I'll just watch it. No, no, no. Um. Uh, if you want more spinoffs, you, you let me know. But those are not sci-fi, so they don't. They don't get done on this show. No, I have no time. I don't even know what you call that anyway. The gritty thriller experiment. <laughs> I like it, but I have no time. <laughs> the the G T E. Aye. Okay. Anyway, uh, that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Get us on the Twitters at Screams Midnight, which is now the new home on Twitter for all male fuzz movies. Uh, this show Screams After Midnight, of course, and The Sacred Hockey Mask. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at Salsa.